You are listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast with pet business coach Kristen Morrison, episode number 13. Welcome to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast, where it's all about pet business challenges, real coaching, and real solutions to help you thrive in your pet business and in your life. And now, here's your host, pet business coach, Kristen Morrison. Hi there, pet business owners. So, this is the most unusual podcast episode that I've done so far. So, I wanted to give you a little bit of the backstory before we dive into this episode so you aren't going, what are you doing? What the heck is this? And how does it relate to my pet business? So, I'm going to tell you how you may find that it relates. I've known my friend Shira Khan for over 10 years. And a couple years ago, she gave birth to her first and probably only baby at age 50. And she's 52 now, and her baby is two years old. And her name is Gracie, and she is the cutest little pumpkin you've ever seen. I love that little girl. I wanted to interview Shira about her long and really challenging journey to motherhood for this podcast because... Two years ago, when I posted on my Facebook page a picture of Gracie, and I talked about my friend Shira having a baby at age 50, and some of you may remember that post, many pet business owners who commented on that post were understandably amazed, right? Age 50, giving birth, it's amazing. And they were comparing Shira's giving birth at age 50 to their challenging struggles around going after their dreams in spite of what seems like insurmountable odds, which is definitely what Shira went through. So I want to bring Shira on the podcast today to share more about her journey and to give those of you who are struggling with turning your dreams into reality, and especially for those of you who are feeling like it's taking a lot more time than you would like to manifest your dreams, this episode is for you. And I'm wrapping it up in a bow. I'm giving it to you. And I really hope that you enjoy it. You can find out more about Shira Khan and the work she does as an incredible psychotherapist and coach by visiting the show notes at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 13. That's the number 13 at the end. I'm going to be sharing the link to the show notes after this segment as well. So I will see you on the other side of this interview to give you the show notes again. And I really hope that you enjoy this interview with Shira Khan. Hi, Shira. Hi, Kristen. Close to a couple of years ago, I posted something on on my Facebook page, after you had your baby, I posted a picture of Gracie, mm-hmm. and I shared with my Facebook friends that you were 50 when you had a baby, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you had your first baby, yeah. your only baby, yeah. <laughs> probably your only baby, and I got so many comments from people all over the world in response to that post, they were so touched, moved, and inspired by you 
having a baby at age 50 and actually giving birth. And there were a lot of women who posted who were in their 40s that felt like they had given up on that dream. Mm -hmm. And so seeing you from my Facebook post really inspired them to explore that. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yeah, it was really powerful. And I remember meeting you, you were about 42, so it was about 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. the first time I met you, and you were really clear with me about your desire to have a baby. Yeah. Yeah, and what was that like for you at that time, being 42, wanting a baby? I remember feeling stressed about it and anxious because it was such a deep and strong desire in my heart but it wasn't clear how it was going to happen or if it was going to happen at that time. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was swimming in a frozen pond and couldn't find where I had fallen through the ice. Mm. So I was looking for the light and looking for the way out, mm-hmm. um, but held under and I didn't know what it was all going to turn out like or if it was going to turn out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. How did you cope with having this dream, because a lot of people are listening, a lot of podcast listeners are listening, and they have a dream maybe to start a pet business, or maybe some of them to have a baby, and they're in their 30s, 40s, they're having difficulties. How did you keep the hope alive? And what was your process during that time? That's an interesting question because I think actually I did a fair amount of trying to talk myself out of how I felt in my heart. It was starting to look like it just wasn't going to happen the natural way, the usual way. I was with someone who was willing to have a baby but already had his children and he didn't really want to do it again. Mm -hmm. So wanting to keep my life going, because I had a lot of really nice things going in my life, I tried to talk myself out of what I most deeply wanted. So for me, it was sort of like I couldn't change my mind. I couldn't talk myself out of it. At the time, I didn't have to try to stick to wanting it because it just kept happening. What kept happening? It kept unfolding from my heart. This is something that's really important to me. Yeah, I really tried to change the subject. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just was never able to do that. Uh So I asked a lot. When it was looking like it wasn't happening and I was trying to change the course of my life so that I wouldn't have children in it, I kept asking, why would I want something so much but not be able to do it? Are you trying to tell me, universe, Mm -hmm. by the fact that it's not happening yet or it's not happening, are you trying to tell me that I was on the wrong path? Mm -hmm. The answer I got at the time was that the way that it was being communicated to me that this was my path was through the strength of the feeling in my heart. Uh And that if it was that strong and that clear, yes. And that inevitable, unavoidable that that meant I still needed to do it. And it still needed to be part of my life. Even if it wasn't happening yet, Uh the confirmation that I got was Uh how I felt in my heart. Wow. And how old were you when you were getting that confirmation in your heart? I would say I tried talking myself out of it for a good four years. Uh And then I was about 45 when I just couldn't talk myself out of it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the word surrender? 
Totally. Okay, so it's a great word. There's a lot of talk about the word surrender, and what it often means is it's put in the same sentence with let go. Mm-hmm. Like you should surrender and let go of something. You should surrender and let go of something that you're holding on to. Mm-hmm. For me in this instance, what surrendering meant was surrendering to the fact that I couldn't let go of this flame, mm-hmm. that there was a flame in my heart. So the surrendering was just kind of saying, okay, you win, I can't get this out of my heart, and I'm surrendering to the fact that this is really true for me and really strong for me, mm-hmm. this desire to have a baby. Wow. Up until then, I had been thinking more, I need to surrender the desire to have a baby. I need to surrender that. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the first step. Mm-hmm. In a way, that came later, and I can talk about that in yeah. a minute, but at this point, I needed to surrender to the fact that this was my truth. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then I would love to hear about the next part for you. When it continued to be hard, I made some big changes in my life. I had a very sad decision that I had to make of separating from the man I was with because I still wanted to have kids. And what got more clear as time went on was that he didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And there were other things going on as well. Mm -hmm. So that was a hard decision. But then even after doing that really big thing, and I thought, okay, this is a big thing that I need to do. Mm -hmm. And then the path should be clear. Mm -hmm. The path still wasn't clear after that. And I got discouraged. Mm -hmm. I got very tired. There are a lot of things that I had already done by this time to try to have a baby. Mm -hmm. Like what? I had done acupuncture. I saw a chiropractic neurologist. I did homeopathy. I had been to Western doctors, although I didn't do the full IVF Mm -hmm. path at the time. I had done spiritual work. I had... Mm I just really tried to use all my resources to get my body ready and my mind and my heart ready to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And it still wasn't happening. So age 46, 47, 48, I got tired and I kind of gave up. Mm-hmm. So there was a surrender to the fact that it wasn't happening. Yeah. And then I would say that I began to surrender the desire up itself, but it wasn't in a willing way. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I still have this desire and it's not working out, so I'm going to surrender this up. It was more like I got tired and I did surrender, but it was a resignation. I got resigned to that. Okay, this may not happen. Looking back now, I realize I started to draw on strength from other people mm-hmm. who knew that I really wanted to have a baby. Mm-hmm. So by this time, it was almost like there was a line drawn in the sand of People on one side who discouraged me from still having this dream at my age. Mm -hmm. What um, would they say? They would say things like, one friend who has since become very supportive, Mm -hmm. but she said, it's really hard on your body Mm -hmm. and you get really tired. Mm -hmm. She was quite tired from having children and stepchildren herself. Mm -hmm. I think she was actually almost burned out Yeah, and she didn't want that to happen to me. Yeah. A relative saying, you're too old, that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. I had other people who were saying things like, you don't have enough family in your life to support the child. You would be being a single mother. You don't have enough financial resources. Someone very close to me actually said, out of concern for the child, what do you have to offer a child? Oh, wow. Yeah. It's it's so interesting as I look at you, and you are one of the most incredible, vibrant open-hearted, loving people (laughs) on the planet. You're so amazing. And when I think about that, somebody Mm -hmm. saying that to you, it's just pretty shocking. Yeah. Yeah. She had her own reasons for saying that. 
my response to her was, yes, I'm not part of a big extended family that lives in town, and I'm not part of even a, a nuclear family at the moment, mm -hmm. but I know that I can be an excellent mother, and mm -hmm. I'm going to start there and give the child that. So I knew that. That being said, and now that I have had the experience of being a mother, a lot of people came in to support the child. So there is mm -hmm. a nuclear family now and mm -hmm. some extended family mm -hmm. members. I think the lesson there, and I don't want to get too far afield with this, but that when you decide to do something, then you get the help you need. Yep. And, and those that was certainly the thing that happened. Yeah. And some of the naysayers, they didn't believe that that would happen. Uh -huh. They only saw what was currently happening. Yeah. But it was good to talk to certain mothers, mm -hmm. not every mother, but some mothers who knew how much I wanted to have a baby and weren't burned out yet. Mm -hmm. And they basically, their attitude was, I don't see any reason why not. Wow. I also, since I didn't have family support, I really drew on the support of certain professionals who would say something that an encouraging mother would uh -huh, say. Uh -huh. Like my accountant said, basically I asked her, do you think I can do this financially? And she said, yes, and here's why. And I had certain yeah. assets. Yep. And she said, if this and this and this happens, you have these assets and you need to get life insurance. And then, But yes, you can do it. Wow. And I spoke with a lawyer and she showed me from a legal perspective mm -hmm. how it could work. Uh huh. So the support came in, in unexpected places. Yeah, and I'm thinking about, because like I said, a lot of people who are listening, they have pet businesses or they're thinking about starting and they might feel kind of challenged in terms of really going past, can I make it happen? Maybe they already have a business and they're struggling in their business. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing from you is just really believing in yourself and also getting the support wherever you need it from around you. Yeah, it was definitely both. Yeah. Because I believed in myself, but then I had a parallel process that was quite deep, but felt very real, where I just believed it was not going to happen for me. Yeah. I just believed, like I wanted it to happen, and I was taking steps toward it happening, mm -hmm. and on paper it looked like it could happen, mm -hmm. but there was really a block between me, who I am, and having a family. And mm -hmm. it was just this strange holdover thing from childhood that, like, everyone else can have a family but me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I believe that they can, but I, I just yeah. didn't believe that I could. And here was the moment where I felt it really changed. Mm -hmm. As I became more despairing of having my dream and I became more tired, I became more aware of this belief mm -hmm. that it wasn't going to happen for me. And I think it took that amount of time and that amount of despair for that belief to come to the surface. Mm -hmm. What was the belief exactly? The belief was it's not going to happen for you. Okay. It'll happen for everybody else, but not for you. Simplest thing in the world to have yeah. a family. Like people do it all over yeah, the world. Yeah, they do. Animals do it. Yeah. But mm, you can't. Uh -huh. and, and basically this was a translation of the negative experiences that had happened to me in my childhood, this got translated into this belief. Yeah, and that's usually where they stem from. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I finally got to the point where I could express this. I had some friends who were in a similar situation. They couldn't get pregnant. They made some embryos in an IVF. Mm -hmm. They knew I really wanted to get pregnant. They came to the very generous decision of offering me the embryos. Mm -hmm. They had offered me the embryos, and that ended up being the batch that I took, but I still hadn't gotten to a yes. Wow. Here they were waiting for me in the freezer, Whoa. and I still hadn't gotten to a what, yes. What do you mean you hadn't gotten to a yes? I hadn't gotten to 
the point where I felt that that was the right decision. Like okay. what it looked like was, I'm not sure these are the right embryos. Oh, I remember that process. Well, and also because yeah. they were friends of mine and I knew it would be a complicated relationship. Mm-hmm. But what was really blocking me was this belief yeah. that at some level it's not going to happen for you. So yeah. this can't be a good option because it's not going to happen for you. Yeah. Yes. So I was on a hike with a friend and she asked me how it was going. And I said, well, I have these embryos waiting. And she asked me what the holdup was. And I said, well, I just feel like it's not going to happen for me. It's not going to work out. And I'm kind of just saying the words to you now. Uh-huh. But at the time that I said them to her, I was sad. Yeah. Because I was so close to the dream and yet it was so far. Yeah. And also all the kind of alienation that I felt about family was bound up in this belief, mm-hmm. this conviction that it wasn't going to happen for me. And she turned on the trail and she said, that sounds like depression. And I said, you know what? You're right. It is. It is. But I can't help it. I mean, I'm very familiar with working with depression Mm -hmm. in myself and others. I knew what it was, Mm -hmm. but it was happening to me and it felt real. I said, I know it's depression, but I don't know what to do about it. She's a mother of three and she was one of the people who believed in me as a mother and believed that this could happen to me. And she turned on the trail and she said, She said, give it to me. And I said, what? Give what? She said, give this belief to me because I'm not afraid of having, I'm not afraid of being a mother. I'm not afraid of having children. It happened really easily for me. So you can give this to me because I'm not afraid of it. So, so I did. We just held hands and I, I just let this pass into her. And uh, we both felt it. Wow. She wasn't afraid. She's like, fine. Fine, you gave it to me. I instantly felt lighter. Wow. I instantly felt lighter. The thoughts were still there, but they just didn't have the gravity that they had before. And I was like, wow, that's weird. That feels really good. I still didn't know what was going to happen next, mm-hmm. but I just knew something had happened on that trail. Yeah. So we went down the mountain, and then I had a couple more experiences that confirmed that this was the right batch of embryos. Uh-huh. Because you had two to choose from, I remember, yeah, two yeah. batches. Oh, and I'm so glad I didn't choose the other one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's all so perfect now, but I didn't know that at the time. Uh-huh. I remember you grappling with it, though. Which ones do I choose? Yeah. 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 Um, and then, I mean, once, once the decision was made of which embryos, then there were certain legal steps to take. Then I had a couple medical things to do, but then I just set the date to implant mm. the embryos. It was much easier once that conviction mm-hmm. and the depression with both lifted. Wow. And did you feel like the depression lifted on the trail or was that just the beginning of the lifting? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say that was 75% of it. Uh-huh. On the trail. On the trail. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, frankly, I was like, why would that be so impactful? Mm-hmm. I just needed help. Yeah. You needed support. I needed support. I needed someone who understood. I mean, what she offered me to do is something that we don't often do for each other, but to actually say, let me take this on mm-hmm. with you. I think there could be some controversy about one could say that that's a codependent thing to do. Mm-hmm. That's what had been happening in smaller doses all along. And also, I think that's what a coach does. Mm-hmm. And it's someone who gets it, who walks through with you. I mean, with her in her presence, she saw that emotion and she saw it for its ugly reality and it didn't scare her, and 
for her to see it and not be scared of it, I think changed my relationship to it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is just mm-hmm. a thing I happen to believe, but it may not be have its own ultimate reality. Want to take what you're learning from the podcast and begin to apply it in your own pet business so you can see powerful results? The Pet Business Online Course Learning Platform can help you do that. You'll find instant access courses that can help you launch or grow your pet business starting right now. You can watch, listen, and learn from the courses right now or whenever works best for you and from wherever you're at in the world. The How to Start Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business in 7 Days online course gives you step-by-step instruction and comprehensive tools to help you launch your own pet care business and get paying clients in just one week. The four-week Pet Business Catapult program provides a weekly comprehensive plan to help you create systems and strategies so you can work on your business instead of in your business. You'll also learn exactly what you need to find, hire, and train quality staff and attract high-paying, profitable clients. With these classes and the many other online classes you'll find on the course platform, you can take your pet business to a new level of growth and success starting right now. Go to PetBusinessCourses.com. That's PetBusinessCourses.com or use the online learning platform link in the show notes page to start transforming your pet business right now. You'll find many classes for all your business needs, including how to get your website higher on the search engines and how to use Facebook marketing to grow your pet business, plus many others. New courses are added monthly. These online courses provide solutions and actionable steps so you can quickly take your business to a new level of growth and profitability. And you'll receive your courses in less than 60 seconds after ordering. To find out more, go to PetBusinessCourses.com. Yeah, and I shared with you this morning about something with me that happened this morning with Spencer, my fiance, and how I had been feeling dread about something. And he said, it's not just your dread anymore. I'm holding it too. I'm holding 50% of it. So you're lighter now. So beautiful. It's the exact same thing. And I was, I was, I was thinking about that mm-hmm. when I was sharing this, how similar that was mm-hmm. to that and how it impacted you so deeply. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was profound, and it is really different when you have someone shouldering it yeah, with you. Yeah, I think so. And, yeah. you know, two things about that. One is I think entrepreneurs are usually pretty much yeah. on their own. They're yeah. lone wolves in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They're just, like, you know, barreling forward on their own. And I know for me, thinking about business and going after my dreams in business, having the supportive fellowship that I'm a part of the business group that I know you've been a part of too Mm -hmm. has really changed my reality. It's like everybody in the group is kind of holding on to each other's pain or Mm -hmm. fear or disbelief that it could actually happen. Misgivings. Yeah. 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 I agree completely that it creates a foundation. It's a net. Yeah. And that can't be underestimated. Yeah. Yeah. And there was something else I was going to say. I'm just remembering the magic that I witnessed watching your process. I mean, you were in it and Mm. you were in the darkness for a lot of the time Mm. until kind of the end when you made the decision about which embryos and all of that. But just seeing you have two families step forward Mm -hmm. to say, here are two (laughs) sets of embryos. Which ones do you want? I mean, it was such an abundant kind of problem, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some women are just wanting 
one embryo, you know, mm-hmm. here you had a bunch to choose from. There was that. And then I remember you called me and you were telling me about going to the synagogue. Can you tell the story? I don't go to the synagogue all that much. I wonder if this was maybe after the walk and there was still that 25%. Mm-hmm. In the synagogue on Saturdays, you read from the Torah, which are the five books of Moses. And then you also read from the books of the prophets. The reading from the prophets, it was from Isaiah. It was about a woman who had stopped having her period, but she got pregnant. The language was so beautiful. It was about God saying, you thought I had forsaken you. Basically, like you thought that I didn't love you, but announce it from the rooftops and sing it in the valleys and sing it on the mountains that you're going to have a baby and I didn't forsake you. I'm so glad you remember that part because the belief about it's not going to happen for me, it was a very disconnected, divided feeling. Like, I'm not really part of the universe. Everybody else reproduces and I can't even do that. I can't even have the fundamental thing of a family. I did feel a lot like I didn't deserve or I didn't have whatever it takes, whatever other people have that allows them to receive the bounty of the universe. I just didn't have it. So to go there and read that, it was affirming In a way, like, see, you were a part of the universe the whole time, and you do deserve whatever the love and the (laughs) the support of the universe. And to be happy, just Mm -hmm. like everybody else, it looked like I was leaving you, but Mm -hmm. actually you were. I was with you all the time. Yeah, I was with you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it 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 compartmentalized that really dark time when I just didn't think it was going to happen for me and put it in perspective. I forgot about that. And when I read that, I was... For six months, I don't go, and then I go, and then that's what's read on that day. I couldn't deny it anymore. I, I had to say, okay, mm-hmm. it is meant to happen, mm-hmm. and all the lights are green now, mm-hmm. finally. Mm-hmm. And is that when you decided, okay, I'm going to... Poetically speaking, I'd like to say that it was. I know that it had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if exactly at what point, I don't remember exactly when the actual yes was, but I know it really corroborated my decision. Uh-huh. So... How old is Gracie? So she's two. I want to add one more piece about how it turned out. So there were three embryos given to me, and I implanted one, and I got pregnant Mm -hmm. the first time. People had said when it's the right time, it will happen Mm -hmm. for you, and it did, and got pregnant at 50. My mother had had a natural childbirth in 1964. She didn't have any pain medication. She didn't have anything to induce labor. How old was she? She was young. She was 30. Uh But at that time, that was quite unusual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I talked to her about it. This was actually something she passed down to me Mm -hmm. that I was very grateful for. She was very relaxed Mm. about the idea of natural childbirth. And she said, I couldn't imagine having anything that would get in the way of Mm -hmm. being able to concentrate on the baby and experience that. Mm. So I didn't read that many birthing books because I was working and I was saving money like a little squirrel. Mm -hmm. But the one I read was by Ina May Gaskin. I think her name is. She was on a commune called The Farm. Mm -hmm. And they did 300 natural childbirths and they have great statistics. And anyway, that was the book that I read. And I just read, it all it was was birth stories. And mm-hmm. I read, there were just so many stories of women who gave birth. That was what was planted in mm-hmm. my mind. Mm-hmm. I found a doula and went to, I had Gracie at Kaiser in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The upshot of the story, there's no dramatic birth story to tell. Mm-hmm. What's dramatic about it is that I was 50 and I did have to have Pitocin, mm-hmm. but I didn't have any pain medication. And once the Pitocin was given at about four and Gracie came at about 7.15, oh. 
Wow. So it's like, and my body knew what to do. And the nurse came afterward and she said, you are my queen. <laughs> she said, you came in here with your doula and you you did your thing. The other women <laughs> on the floor were 25 and they were all asking for epidurals. <laughs> you came in here and you did your thing. And it made me feel so good. I bet. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And she's an angel and I'm so glad I didn't listen to the naysayers. Yeah. That's really the lesson here. I mean, when I mm-hmm. think about your story, just being willing to kind of persevere in spite of you know, what society says. Right. I mean, who says, hey, you can have a baby at 50? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> and, well, the third professional, so there was lawyer uh-huh. who gave me confidence, the accountant, uh-huh. and also the doctor. Uh-huh. The doctor wasn't saying, it was considered a high-risk pregnancy sure. purely because of my age. Yeah. But I asked her straight up. I said, are you nervous about me having a baby? She's like, no. Wow. So I knew that whatever other people knew, she was the medical expert. Yeah. And I had spoken to the accounting expert and the law expert. Mm-hmm. I spoke to the expert, so I didn't need to be afraid. Yeah. But there's something else I want to tell the listening audience I'm realizing through this conversation. There was a professional coach that I had, a lovely woman. She was very worried about me mm-hmm. because we figured out what I would need to do in my business to be able to have enough money and be there for the child. Basically, I didn't have enough time between what my age was mm-hmm. and how long it would take to do the business to prepare it the way she was saying. Mm-hmm. I fired her. I went ahead with the plan, even though mm-hmm. from the perspective of my business, that wasn't such a good idea because it did end up that that was the hard part mm-hmm. after she was born when I had to return to work. Mm-hmm. So do you regret firing her? Or do no, you think that was the right decision? It was the right decision because for me to go forward with this, I needed to surround myself with people who were saying yes. It was a studied yes. Mm -hmm. It wasn't impulsive yes. Mm -hmm. It was a studied yes. But hers was a studied no. It was better for me to just go Mm -hmm. ahead and do it Mm -hmm. because it could have prevented me from doing it. And doing it has far, far, far outweighed not doing it for me. Mm -hmm. Doing it meaning giving birth to Gracie. Gracie Yeah. Yeah. I was absolutely right. My instincts, like what I thought, it would be like mm-hmm. and why I wanted to do it. I was absolutely right. And it even exceeded mm-hmm. what my instincts were about mm-hmm. that. Wow. Well, it has been such an amazing pleasure mm-hmm. <laughs> and delight. And just, I've been in awe of the miracles surrounding you with this process. It's been incredibly beautiful to witness. Well, it, thank you. It's a pleasure to share this with your audience mm-hmm. and I want to wish your people that whatever it is for them, that they hear that yes mm-hmm. and tune into that yes. And then there might be some no's mm-hmm. as well. There's help out there mm-hmm. and to work with whatever your resources are. Yeah. You got to really avail yourself of those. Yeah. And those find people. them. And find them. Yeah. Yes. I know there are a lot of people out there, I'm imagining anyway, that maybe, like I said, thinking about wanting to have a baby at a late in life age. Maybe they have other dreams and visions. Maybe they're grappling with, I know you work with people that have eating disorders. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what it is that you do and how you might be able to help people that are listening that might need that help. Okay, great. I have two professions that are, they're next door to each other. I'm Mm -hmm. a psychotherapist And I also do coaching. I do Mm -hmm. coaching outside of the state of California. Mm -hmm. And I have coached also people inside the state of California. Mm -hmm. I can do psychotherapy for people inside the state of California. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a writer. Mm -hmm. So I have a book out on 
eating disorder treatment, mm-hmm. and it's on Amazon. What's it called? It's called the Erasing Ad Treatment Manual. Okay, and Ed is eating disorder. Okay, it's not erectile dysfunction. Uh, oh, good, that's comforting. <laughs> People wanted, yes, me to make that distinction. Yeah, it's a good uh, distinction to make. <laughs> I'm not really an expert on that. Okay. Yeah. For people who are on the journey to have a baby and want support for that, I can certainly walk you through. I know a lot about the legal process. I know a lot about the medical process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my real area where I can offer something that may be unique for people mm-hmm. is to walk through the psychological mm-hmm. process. And I would say on this podcast that if there's someone who wants me to share that burden mm-hmm. with you since I have been through it, that's certainly what I would provide as a coach. Wonderful. Yeah. And I'm going to include your information in the show notes. So everybody, if you're wanting to check Shira out, you can go to prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 13. Again, that's prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 13. So thank you so much for sharing yourself and your amazing story. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Shira. Isn't she something? And I have to say, having known her for over 10 years and just to have had her in person doing this podcast, she is one of the brightest lights I've ever met. I mean, her skin literally glows. <laughs> it's almost like she swallowed a light bulb. And she's just something. And she's also one of the most compassionate, loving human beings I've ever met. So I just want to say that if you're grappling with wanting some support around your dreams, visions, and goals, whether it has to do with motherhood, or making peace with your body. She does a lot of work with people on eating disorders, or you simply want someone to help shoulder your challenges, I really recommend that you contact her. She works with clients over Skype, as well as the phone. So wherever you are in the world, she can help. She's amazing. You'll find her contact information if you're interested in finding out more about her in the show notes at Prosperous Pet Business dot com forward slash podcast 13 that's the number 13 again that's prosperous pet business dot com forward slash podcast 13 thanks everyone for listening and i will look forward to connecting with you next week have a wonderful day or night whenever you're listening to this take good care bye Thank you for listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast. It would be great if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. For any questions, comments, or pet business coaching topics you would like to hear on future podcasts, please visit us at www.prosperouspetbusiness.com or www.sixfigurepetbusinessacademy.com.